Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is John Gibbons. Gibby is one of the most beloved figures in the history of your Toronto Blue Jays. Over 11 years and two separate managerial stints encompassing almost 800 victories, the Jays under Gibby's leadership made the American League Championship Series in back-to-back seasons in 2015 and 2016, ending a 22-year playoff drought while winning over an entire nation with one iconic Jose Bautista bat flip. And did you know John Gibbons has two World Series rings? This factoid and more is all covered in his brand new memoir entitled Gibby, Tales of a Baseball Lifer, detailing his 40-plus seasons in professional baseball. Welcome, John, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Andrew, good, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I am down in here in San Antonio, Texas, and the title you show Toronto Legends, I'll go, how the heck did I get on that? Well, <laughs> you... I'm glad you had You are absolutely a legend. We're going to get into all this, but I want to talk about Texas first. My wife and I were planning to visit Austin, but I've been hearing such great things about San Antonio. How would you describe the difference between uh, Austin and San Antonio? Well, let me put it this way. You know, Austin's kind of, you know, that's where the capital is. My kid went to school up there. Big University of Texas is there. It's more of, it's it's like the music town, the artsy town, the city. It's one of the few, I'll put this with liberal cities in the Texas, you know, we, the other ones, we got it surrounded, man, so you can't get out of that place. <laughs> yeah. No, but San Antonio, you know, Andrew, San Antonio is a, uh, a pretty neat little town. It's one, of the, it's, it's one of the top 10 largest cities in the U.S. It might be like eight or nine, so, I mean, the population is big. But yet it still has a, a small-town feel, you know. Big military town. At one time, there was five military bases here, four, four Air Force, one Army. Uh, so that's, why, that's how I ended up here. You know, my dad was in the military, so... But yeah, I I, I would uh, I think you'd enjoy coming down here and heck see both of them. You always got a solution, John. That is the way <laughs> to do it. Do both. Now, now, please give us an update on your family. I understand you have a new member and a second new member coming soon. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm on my second marriage. My wife and I, my my new wife. She she has two kids, and I have three of my own. And, there's no grandkids in sight, man, and it's like, oh, okay, so so we we're doing the be- next best thing. We 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 got a lab puppy the other day, a little chocolate lab, beautiful little boy, and then uh, but we've discovered well that was our plan anyway to get a get a, a brother for him. So next month we're gonna go pick up a uh, another lab. So yeah, that's our that's our grandkids. I figured you're not getting the other ones. And uh, you have to share with us uh, the names of the two new boys. Yeah, this the way. This is Waylon, the new the one right now, and then the next one's going to be Willie. The other ones are like a, they call him Red Fox Lab. You know, I didn't know anything about it. My wife's big into dogs. You know, it, and uh, it's just just off off of the you know the white or uh, yellow lab uh, group. So that and he's going to so he's got he's going to have a red look. So it's, that's going to be Willie, like Willie Nelson. Then uh, Waylon Waylon Jennings is our chocolate right here. And if, there's there's even talk of a black one in the future if things we get really out of control. <laughs> And that's going to be cash after Johnny Cash. So. All right. Well, there's no question where your loyalties lie. Yeah. <laughs> or my stupidity. What is you, it? Well, we'll see who's walking them. You, of course, John, were a catcher during your playing career. How are your shoulders and knees today in 2023? You know, Andrew, that's a great question because up until recently, you know, I've never had really knee problems until the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I had it. Tore the ligaments in my elbow back as a player, and that, that healed up. And uh, but never really any shoulder issues. But in the last couple of years, my knees just started barking. You know, I mean, there's no cartilage in there like most guys. You know, we get a certain age. 
But so I go every three months to get cortisone shots in my knees. And then, you know, uh, in the off month, I get it in my shoulders. So they're starting to break down a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm 60 now. But until then, I was, you know, for a guy that was a catcher and squatted so many times, I was, I was pretty fortunate, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I am amazed. I'm a little behind you at 53, and some days I can't get out of bed. But I wasn't squatting uh, for for all those years, so you're you're hanging in the well, Andy, man. You look, you look not the 53 years old. You look a heck of a lot younger than I do. You're, I knew I liked you. I knew I liked you, John. Congratulations on your new book. How does it feel to be a man of letters and introduced as an author? Yeah, well, you know what? When it was kind of when you first said a memoir earlier in my introduction, I'm going, that sounds way too serious. That it, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if I could spell that. But <laughs> yeah. you know what, Andrew? It's kind of it's you know. At first, you know, I, I was approached my last uh, my last day there in Toronto, 2018, when I was leaving, and and uh, you know, uh, three or four of the writers that I became really good friends of, that accomplished writers in, uh, in Toronto, you know. They, they say, well, if you write a book, you want to write a book. And I, and I dismissed that. Yeah, right. Okay. You know, I had no interest, never thought about it. And I didn't think it was a, would be very popular anyway. And so then, then a few years later, a friend of mine who had written a book in, through ECW Press up there in Toronto approached me and uh, ended up writing one, right? And, and it's, I was a little hesitant at first, you know. Um, but then I started... You know, it was it was fun looking back over my life and my career and all the reflecting and reminiscing and and uh, so I actually had fun with it, you know. And and uh, but I never really thought that would happen. It never really entered my mind, you know. I mean, the, the, uh, you know, that's usually safe for the real superstars, you know, or the, people, or the real people of interest, you know, or controversial or something. But you know what? I I think I think people will enjoy it. We'll find out. My mother loves it. You know, she already does. She loves it. That's because she's in it more than I am. Oh, uh, oh, I understood that she was your key fact checker. Once you gave her the book, she went over it. Yeah, she's she's a tough cookie. You know, she she, she asked me yesterday to get Greg Oliver, who who wrote it, his number, because she wanted to send him a nice little note. I said, a nice one? Make sure it's a nice one. So she liked it anyway. Well, my two favorite quotes uh, were, one was from you. Nobody wants to read about me. Even I don't want to read about me. And and the second quote was when you told one of your baseball buddies you had finished your book. They asked if it was co- a coloring book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm a you know, Andrew. I'm a very simple guy, right? Uh, I'm I'm probably a little more educated than people might think, but uh, uh, you know what? I I uh, I don't take myself too seriously, and I love to have fun. And, and people kind of relate. They would probably they almost they would probably think it more, probably a better shot that it was it, it is a coloring book than a. <laughs> And you know what? As far as the other stuff, I don't take. I, like I said, when I, I, I never would have thought of doing that, you know. I, and uh, but if you, if you look back, I spent did spend a lot of at, in time in Toronto, and and you know, there's one team in a big old country, you know, and fans are terrific, and you know, so hopefully maybe they can enjoy it a little bit. And, uh, we'll, we'll see, because I, I enjoy it. Actually, I think it turned out pretty good. Oh, I think it turned out great. You're a super humble guy. Thank I think you. you know Toronto loves you, and I know you're coming down here for the launch of the season and the launch of your book, and it's it's going to all come back to you. You're not. Uh, I don't think you'll be surprised at the reception you get when yeah, you I talk about. Place, man. You know, that's one thing I miss about. Yeah. You know, is yeah, I, I miss the boys on the team and the competition, but I miss Toronto. I, I miss Canada. I miss the people. You know, because they're good, hard nosed, honest. You know. Uh, no BS people, you know, if you give them a good effort, they love you and, and very friendly. Um, so I, I, I do miss that, you know. 
one of one of the uh, uh, parts of the process of writing the book, as you mentioned, Greg Oliver wrote it with you. And I understand that you guys sat together and watched on your TV every single one of the uh, times you were ejected by umpires. Yeah, <laughs> that's the highlight of my career. That's the highlight of your career. Something ain't right, but somebody wants to read that. Now, you know what? I've been, well, I've been accused. I, I had a couple of uh, dust-ups with players in the past. So everybody kind of, a lot of people view me as anger, angry, right? Anger problems. And so naturally, because sometimes, maybe I am at times, and I, I take that out on umpires. And But I will tell you this, because, you know, we had, uh, you know, I, I've always believed, you know, this, going back to my playing days, the managers, he's got. If he wants his players to fight for the, fight for him, they better fight for him, and he better fight for them, right? I think it goes hand in hand. And we had some, we had some, uh, we had some uh, big personalities on our teams there, especially at the end, and they were controversial, and they, 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 they would. Uh, I guess the baseball world would say they whined a lot up to the umpires about strike zones, but they were right. You know, they were that good. A lot, most times they were right, but umpires would stick it to them. That's just a fact, you know, and. Uh, but I don't have anything against umpires. But I have my jobs to fight for, you know, because I mean, because it affects us, the whole team, in the long run. When we're there to win and things like that. So, and then sometimes the team's so bad or we're playing so bad, I, say, I gotta go, man. I don't want <laughs> nine innings of this. And I tell the umpires every now and then, I say we stink, right? So I don't want to hang around here. <laughs> a couple of times the umpires would say, you know, no, if, if we, I gotta be out here umpiring the game, you ain't going anywhere. You're gonna watch yeah. it too, you know. So. Well, John, you were certainly known as a player's manager. That's that's absolutely clear. Now, Josh Donaldson won American League MVP in his first Jays season, playing for you in 2015, and he wrote the foreword to your book. You guys did butt heads over the years, but it's real clear. You love Josh, and J- Josh Donaldson certainly loves you. Yeah, you know, Andrew, you know, we became pretty tight. We still we still talk occasionally, you know. He's uh, he's got two babies now. Uh, you know, I'm proud of the kid, but there's no doubt Till he showed, I mean, he 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 made a huge difference. You know, the year that he came over and Russell Martin came over, I, and I say in the book that I think they added some much needed toughness to our team, right? And then you know, combine them with Batista and Carnacion and a lot of other good players. You know, that's that's how it all happened. But yeah, Josh and I, you know, uh, it's, it's almost like a father son relationship. You don't agree on everything and you butt heads, you know. And, and uh, but there was, you know, there was no, there was, you know, we, we everybody. What, what I prided myself is, I, I, I thought I was honest with everybody in my whole career. I don't think anybody would tell you I was unfair. They may not have liked what happened, but I, I was always conscious of being fair to my guys, right, and being honest with them. And uh, and Josh would tell you that. And uh, but I mean, he's a, he's a volatile guy too. Emotional wears it on his sleeve, and, and uh, sometimes, you know, two great competitors butt heads. You know, that's that's not uh, the, the problem. Is I mean, it probably happens more often than you think, but usually, most places behind closed doors. <laughs> that that's you know, just that's it. You're you know? front of stage. Yeah. Now, obviously, to understand John Gibbons, we need to start at the beginning. Everyone knows Gibby is Mister Texas. You are the prototypical Texan, square jawed, easygoing, folksy, charming. You're a man's man. But it may surprise listeners that your roots are actually in New England and that, in fact, your nana or grandma was a huge Red Sox fan, having lived her whole life in Boston. Yes. And, you know, my, my mom and dad were born and raised up there. And my dad joined the military. And, and that's how, you know, we bounced around and he ended up in Texas. And he had a 13-year assignment in San Antonio, which is unheard of. But, you know, he was in research and development. And uh, so this became home. But... Uh, and yeah, I just kind of, you know, I took to it. I really love it down here. It's, it's slower. I think you, 
it probably adds 10 years to your life down here more so than <laughs> in Boston, you know. But but I always tell people too, you know, the uh, I got that blood Boston blood run through me. But that's the, see, that's the jerk in me when I <laughs> when I come off and people think what an idiot this guy. That's the Bostonian in me. You know, you know, John. They now call them mass holes. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to. You know. Yeah. Now, as you mentioned, you were raised in a military family. You were actually born in, in Great Falls, Montana, but raised in San Antonio. But your Canadian connection started early. You began your baseball career as a seven-year-old playing t-ball in Goose Bay, Newfoundland. Yeah. How about that? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Was, my dad. You know, my dad got stationed up there. In the. You know, it's funny. My mother tells a story that uh, when they got, my dad was originally in the military and he got out. His dad had an optometry business. He was going to take that over. He didn't want to do that. So he got back in where he listed. And the first assignment they said was to Goose Bay, Labrador, right? And so the, his fellow, you know, co-worker, military buddies, they were always asking him and my mom, what did you guys do wrong that they punished you sent you up here? You know? my mom, and my mom said that was like one of their favorite assignments. But everybody thought, we're sticking it to you, man. What are you? So anyway... I was at that age in, in uh, the, the the military base had a, a little league, you know, league. And uh, my dad took me to tryouts one day, and I was scared to death, man. I wouldn't get out of my car or his car. And he finally said, heck with this, right? We went home. Luckily, a guy, that one of his coworkers on the base was a coach on one of the teams. They needed a player, so they put me on the team, and that's how it all started. If, wow. if that guy hadn't been around, you never know. You know? Wow, I'm, yeah. I might have been coaching the Argonauts instead. Yeah, <laughs> well, we could use you there, too. You obviously developed into a great prospect and, in fact, were drafted 1980 in the first round by the New York Mets. John, you were to be their catcher of the future, but in the winter of 1984, a blockbuster trade saw the kid, Gary Carter, go from the Montreal Expos to the Mets, you were now behind the best catcher in all of baseball at the time on the depth charts. And apparently he even took the shirt off your back as your number eight was his number. Uh, <laughs> did he compensate you for that jersey or was that not the way it worked back then? No, you know what? I don't know if they did that much back then, but, you know, I, was, I wasn't established. If I had been like a mainstay on the Mets and he came in, to, he might have done something, you know. But actually, kid was kind of, uh, he was kind of tight with his money, I think. I don't know if he would <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, but Andrew, I tried all the different numbers, and that, that wasn't the problem. That never, none of them worked. But, you know, that, yeah, he, he, he was, uh, he's a wonderful man, Gary, you know. Um, and, you know, it's, it's so sad what happened to him, you know, with the, the brain the cancer. And, um, but as far as my career goes, you know, I was 21 at the time, young. And so, I, you know, the Mets still thought I was going to be part of their future. So I'd go down to AAA every year. And then that got that got old and it wore on me and it affected my confidence and my mindset and it never really became what I thought I was going to become or what they envisioned too. Right? Eventually moved on and got into coaching, but um, you know Gary was such a a, a gentleman, a wonderful man. I learned a lot from him and he, you know first class guy. So that, that it was it was it was an honor you know to hang around with him, meet him, and in because uh, I was a big fan too when I was coming up because you know we all we all follow the top dogs you know and he was the best catcher in the game so but he yeah. there's no doubt he threw a wrench in my career but you know he didn't kill my career that's for sure I, I did that myself you know nope. <laughs> well you still survived because uh, although you only played in 18 major league games you did earn a World Series ring as the 1986 New York Mets bullpen catcher and you did appear in the Mets music video for Let's Go Mets oh yeah yeah you know when I got called up I think it was when Gary got hurt in in 86 he was playing first base one day and he dove for a ball and he broke his thumb right so I got called up triple A to be the other catcher 
and the first day I get there, uh, yeah, they, they're they're filming that video, you know. So they got I got to get in there, and they, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of fun, kind of kind of cool, you know. Uh, uh, and that was just, that was such a unique team. You talk about um, put it a mess, you know. I mean, it, that team was a mess, you know. Get, Gary, Gary was the golden boy on that team, you know, that can't do wrong, the All-American boy. The rest of them, man, it was, maybe you could throw Mookie Wilson in that group too. But other than that, it was chaos, man. But the, it was a great uh, bunch of great players, great competitors, you know. A lot like our teams in, in uh, Toronto there in 15 and 16. A lot of big personalities and some of the best players in the game. But these guys showed up to play every day. And then, you know, of course, justice was served when they won it all, came back on the Red Sox. Well, what a bunch of characters. Dwight, Doc Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, Lenny Dykstra. I do have to ask you, John, what do you remember about the ball Mookie Wilson hit? It got by the late Bill Buckner at first base, led to a very improbable Game 7 in that run to the 86 World Series. Do you look at it differently now as a manager than you did at the time as a player? Oh, yeah. yeah you know, uh, well, you know, the key, the key decision is uh, – John McNamara left Buckner in the game, right? Normally he'd put defense. I think it was Stapleton he put out there because, you know, Buckner, I mean, a great career, but he couldn't move anymore. You know, his ankles were shredded. And I think it said, uh, he wanted him to be on the – he got too emotional, wanted him to be on the field to win it, right? And ended up costing him. So, you know, he, he put put his heart instead of his in front of his head, you know, his brain. So, yeah, so from a – now that I'm in the, in the coaching stuff, you, you – yeah, you can't get caught up in that. You know, it'd be nice if um, you could leave everybody on the field, especially the guys that have been around forever. And but you, bottom line, win the game. But you know, I'm, I'm down there in the bullpen. You know, and it, two quick outs, right? Um, next thing you know, th- something starts. Things start happening. So they call down, get so and so going. I'm almost positive. I, for some reason, I can't remember. I think it was good, and they got up right in case the game goes extra innings. But in the meantime, they they had uh, in, the, in the in the bullpen out there. They brought all these mounted police in. You know. Uh, to they were going to go on the field when this game was over, you know, to keep crowd control. And so they're lining up this, they have plexiglass, you know, all along the outfield wall, and the horses are all lined up on there, right? So I'm catching, and bam, you know, every you know every time the ball hit my mitt, it would crack, right? And these horses would jump, and they'd turn around and look and snort, and they're looking at me. <laughs> so I didn't actually see it happen going through uh, Buckner's legs. You know, it's funny, I, I didn't see Batista's bat flip. I was watching the ball, and I didn't see uh, – Encarnacion hit his. I was looking at stats, but so so I missed so many good moments. But I was I was there, you know. I was Waldo, man. Find me. You, know? you were absolutely there. A lot going on all these times. Now, John, in 1990, you began your journey as a coach and a manager. You rode a lot of buses. You managed a lot of kids moving up the system. How'd you end up in Toronto via your old teammate uh, J.P. Ricciardi? Talk about being blessed, man, and in 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 uh, you know you know it's it's like anything, you know you know the right people. You, if you have your own sponsor or whatever, so JP was an old roommate of mine, A ball. But anyway, he's out. He's Billy Beans, the you know the famed uh, money baller and, and Brad Pitt. Uh, he's the GM out there in Oakland, and, and JP, who we all went back together. He's his right hand man out in Oakland. So I had been three years in AAA with the Mets. Bobby Valentine was managing the big club. And so I climbed the system, and, and they were going through uh, at least one or two coaches a year in New York. You know, I don't think a lot of guys got along with Valentine or, or whatever. Well, I don't know what happened, but and I never got one of those jobs. And usually what happens around baseball, you know, sooner or later the AAA manager just slides in because, you know, they, they, they 
normally like him to have him manage at their highest level. You know, they trust him, and they just naturally reward him. But that that didn't happen to me. And, and um, so I've made a point. I had I had three kids now. They're all young. I was if I didn't get the, they had a third base coach job open. I said if I don't get this, I'm going to try to find a job closer to home. Anyway, I went and interviewed. I didn't get the job, so I told the Mets I'm leaving, you know. And uh, and I figured Billy Bean had always told me, hey, you want a job? Give me a call out here in Oakland, right? So I didn't didn't get to him beforehand, so I thought, that's my ace in the hole. I didn't got to worry about it. He'll have something, right? Turns out that he doesn't have anything, you know. It's a low budget. (laughs) Things are going good. They're on top of the world anyway. They're playing really great. There's nothing. So JP is assistant, my old roommate. He's helping me try to find a job, you know, and I hadn't found anything yet. And then I get the call, uh, I called Bean one day, said, hey, he goes, well, hey, let me call you back. JP's having a press conference. I go, what? So it turns out he gets that Toronto job. And I think he, I think, uh, he wasn't the original choice, but then that, I don't remember what happened there, but then he gets the job, right? Tremendous baseball man. I mean, he kind of had a, it was kind of a, a little conflict up there in Toronto at times, but um and I thought, well, hey, perfect. He'll have a job for me. Heck, he's trying to help me find one, you know. And sure enough, he called me up for an interview. Buck Martinez was manager, third base coach. It was me and Carlos Tosca. Tosca got the job, and then he offered me the bullpen catching job, you know, not the coach catching. And I said, no chance, man. I got, you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't squatted in years, and, you know, I'm, I think I'm more valuable than that, right? So I go home, and I got two two weeks left of my Mets contract, and we just bought a new house. I got three young ones. I'm looking at my wife as, you know, I need a job. <laughs> so I called JP back and I took that job. And, and uh, that's how I ended up in Toronto, you know. It, uh, and then two, two months later, you know, once the season started, we fired Buck Martinez on, I think it was June 1st, put me at first, put Tosca the manager, and eventually fired Tosca and made me the manager. That's kind of how it all started. Then he eventually fired me and made me the manager. So, you know, it's kind of a. Like we were flipping coins, you know. <laughs> well, John, you served as Jay's manager, as as we talked about, for two stints, 2004 to 2008. And again, from 2013 to 2018, like you just alluded to, where's Waldo? Should be. Where's Gibby? There are four pretty iconic Blue Jays moments you were around for. The, uh, the Jose Bautista bat flip, the Jose Bautista punch up, the Shea Hillenbrand incident, the Ted Lilly dust up. You've been asked about each of these a billion times. Uh, spoiler alert, you're about to be asked another billion times on your uh, tour for your book. Our listeners, of course, will have to pick up your book to get the full stories because you write about all these. But maybe, John, a quick thought on each, if you don't mind. The Bautista bat flip. Wow, you know what? It's uh, well, obviously the greatest. It has to be right up there at the top, if not the greatest moment in my career. Obviously for Jose. It's Jose's top moment, I would think, too. Yep. You know? uh and it just been like you said, twenty two years since the playoffs, and you know a lot of false promises along the way that the teams legit, you know, blah blah blah, whatever. And finally, and I, everybody told me all the time, you know, if if you're if one of your teams is relevant in September and got a shot late in the season, watch what happens, right? And we never saw it because we were always eliminated in June, right? And uh, <laughs> sure enough, you know, Alex Anthopoulos made some great deals at the trade deadline, fifteen. And then we just, I was like a light switch, man. We caught fire. And it was, the place erupted, Canada erupted, you know. And, uh, of course, then we, you know, the, we, we go on and get in the playoffs. And then, uh, so, but Jose was the face of the franchise, you know, even though he brought Donaldson and Russell Martin in that year. And he'd been there through some lean times, but he was one of the top home run hitters, right? And then, so it couldn't have happened to a better guy. And, and Jose always had the flair for the dramatic, right? 
you needed some hose. He would, guys would throw at him, and he, and, and I'd never seen him like it. He, the next thing, he'd turn around and pop a home run, man, which I never, I don't remember seeing other guys do that. Usually there's a little, guys are a little bit tense, and they, they it, it doesn't happen, right? And so it couldn't have happened to a better guy. And, uh, and, and Jose was kind of a villain in the league, you know. Uh, of course, then all, you know, then everybody, the Red Rangers complained about the whatever. And next year we had our problems. But but nobody celebrated home runs more than the Texas Rangers. That's how <laughs> ironic it all is, right? So that was, uh, but, you know, as far as not only baseball history, you know, Toronto Blue Jay history, you know. You know, you had, of course, you had the uh, Joe Carter walk-off to win a World Series, right? You can't, no, nothing will ever beat that. But if you and you look in the memory banks of people, there's just something about that because it had been so long, you know, the drought, right? And Jose doing it, you know, and, and after a crazy the seventh inning, you know, where, where crazy stuff happened with, you know, it's like, and the, and the whole world's watching. It was, you know, I don't know, I don't know the, the viewers in postseason in the in the in the '90s compared to, you know, in in, 50, in the 2000s, but. Gosh, you know, so many people were watching, and, and uh, but it just everything just came together, man. You know, and we should have won that series. We should have won it all, but we didn't. But that was one series we definitely should should have won, and and it couldn't happen to a better guy. Well, what an iconic moment! The whole stadium was shaking, is what uh, oh, people always remember. Man, unbelievable, man! You couldn't even think, you know. <laughs> now, of course, that was playoffs twenty fifteen. Followed up the next year, twenty sixteen. Uh, they waited till the last at bat of the last game between. Texas and Toronto for uh, Rufned uh, Odor to punch Jose right in the face. I guess in the unwritten code of the game, there's some payback, but I know it kind of annoyed everyone that they waited till the last at bat. Oh yeah, especially me, you know. But you know what? <laughs> you know they, they made such a big stink about it. And we said okay, but you know Jose, we even talked. You know, I talked. You know, going to that year, he's you know they're probably going to drill you, right? He knew it. You know, he says he says I'm just going to go to first base, whatever. Okay, and then so we we played him like seven games and. Uh, 10 days, right? Four at home, I think it was, and three down there. Nothing happened. So you figure, well, they came to their senses. They realized, you know what? That's just part of it. If we, if they had done that, I don't think we would have had an issue, right? So anyway, it goes down to the guy, the guy that ends up hitting him, I can't even remember his name, but he wasn't even on the team, you know? Yeah. So, but I just thought, you know what? It was gutless, you know? Yeah, there's unwritten rules in the game, and some people laugh at that and all that, but it, it, it really, okay, it's, but, but the, Baseball has always been okay. If you have a problem with something, you address it right away, right? You may people may not like bean balls and things like that, but it happens right away. Now, so there's no confusion. Everybody knows. Okay, that's well, that was for that, right? So everybody kind of anticipated. Nothing happened. Then of course it drags on. The game seven, his last at bat, and he gets him. And then you know, in the in the old days, you know, guys get hit, hit all the time, right? They drill. You know, pitchers would drill guys all the time. You know, and uh, in baseball, there's never really brawls you know everybody kind of hugs and things like that usually what happens the, the the hitter at the plate that gets hit he'll sit there and jaw at the, the pitcher and so every the dugout's empty and when everybody gets around him so, so they can restrain him then they'll try to go get the pitcher you know <laughs> yeah occasionally they'll go just go right away and then it's okay there here it is but um so but they used to if you got drilled you know the, the middle infielders for the other team they uh oh you know I better watch out because there's a ground ball. They're they're coming at you. That was just kind of a this is a way of getting back. Okay, and it, it happened perfectly. You know, you went down and then you know they got the ground ball. Of course, I was inside. I had been ejected, and then Jose went in there hard. He didn't really get him good, but he came up and boom. You know, uh, Odor smoked him. 
But Jose didn't. He did. He he buckled him, but he didn't drop right. And then Jose course, didn't go down. I know you were proud of him for that. Oh yeah, you know. But but he was as shocked as anybody because nobody throws punches <laughs> in baseball, you know. But they were out there in center stage, and then you know everything erupted, and and uh, but it was like, come on. But then we, you know, they, they, we got we faced him in the playoffs again, and and we got you know swept them. So we got the last laugh there, you know. And Jose Absolutely. got a pretty good job, man, because the door threw a pretty good punch at him. Yeah, but you know, there would have been ideal if if Jose, you know, it, it just got him just right on that slide and knocked him into left field or flipped him or something. <laughs> but it used to be too in baseball, infielders do that, right? You 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 guys watch Tony Fernandez. Tony used to throw ball. It was like his his knuckles are dragging the ground. Right, he throw from down under. He called it. Yeah. So and what the the runner coming into second base, they would get down early, man. So that, that's how infielders protected themselves, right? So. uh but you know, even nowadays, you know, with the new sliding rules, they, you, don't, you don't have to worry about it. But um, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate it happened. It uh, you know naturally it fired us up. Then they handed out the fines, and, and uh, the worst part about it, I got fined the same amount of money Odor did, or she got. He, he was, this was forty five hundred. I got four grand. I'm going. I didn't throw a punch. It's like you know they were out to get me, man. Man for man never liked me. Now in two thousand six. Someone wrote on the clubhouse chalkboard, the ship is sinking, play for yourself. This got you into an incident with Shea Hill and Brand. John, I know you're tired of talking about it. I'm only going to ask you for one quick comment. Of course, your, your book details it much more, but do you want to make a quick comment on it? Yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's, fu- it's funny. All those things have passed. You know, I haven't, never t- I haven't talked to Shea, but Shea's tried to reach out to me. We just haven't done I got no problem with Shea. Shea was a good player for us, right? In circumstances, you know, whatever, right? But you still, somebody... If I'm the captain of the ship, and you know, that's what managers are, I'm not going down that way. You know, that, that's for dang. I ain't walking the plank for these guys, right? So some, yeah. some bad attitudes, bad attitude at the time. So he had gone home to adopt a child. He and his wife, they already had one. And then he was coming back. He, del- he delayed it one extra day. So no big deal, right? And then, so I gave him a day off when he came back to get back into shape because it's been four or five days. He didn't like that. And he was popping off, you know, not around me, but he was popping off. And word get got back to me. Then I think, I, see, originally I thought it was, he wrote that on the board, right? Turns out we everybody thinks it was Zahn, Greg Zahn, right? Which doesn't surprise me either, you know. But, uh, <laughs> well, anyway, so I had a little meeting and uh, uh, we kind of aired some things out. And then, then they traded him the next day or, or DFA'd him and then tra- ended up trading him to the Giants, right? And we got Jeremy Accardo and a pitcher pretty good for us. So that was kind of it. But, you know, uh, uh, no hard feelings, man. It was, just, you know, at that time, you know, it's it's funny. You can have uh, competitors in every line of work, right? You get you get into sports, and, and uh, such a, most sports are short lived careers, right? So these guys, you know, they they everything matters because they may be done tomorrow, right? And uh, and so they they when things go bad, then the players start looking out for themselves, right? You know, the season's lost. I need I need better numbers because it's going to benefit me in the end, salaries and all that stuff, right? This is kind of the way it, it's always been that way. It's no different today than it was when I was playing, right? And so when the team starts going south, if if that takes over, and if you if you got you got a couple guys in the clubhouse that are disgruntled and they and, they, and they're known as the leaders, you know some some guys are good guy or bad guy. If they've been around a while or they're making the most money or whatever, they kind of throw they're naturally thrown into that leader position just because of status or what they've done, right? They don't it doesn't always last, but that's kind of who players look to, right? And so if you got the if you got the right kind, you're in good shape, man. If you got the wrong kind, you know, watch out. Mm. Let's see when things go bad. So so anyway, 
you know, I, I, figure, I, I figure, you know what, I've, I've, had, I've had enough. You know, there's been some things in the past. I, I held a meeting and we aired it out. Like I said, he got traded. and uh, But, you know, no hard feelings. Shay's even tried to try to get a hold of me and, and, and never really matched up. But, hey, like I said, I, I, I just hope he's doing well. You know, every guy I managed over the years, man, I root for him. I hope they're doing well, you know, because uh, I got along just about with every one of them, you know. Yep. Well, the last one I want to ask you about, and just like you said, you ended up uh, settling it, talking out afterwards, like like men. The Ted Lilly dust up, two thousand six. You ended up in a bit of a cage match with him, but uh, that's all. <laughs> hey Teddy's, hey Teddy's, you know, is wiry. You know, I mean, he, he's strong, man. That's stronger than I thought he was. <laughs> and Teddy and I used to go run. You know, when I was coaching before I became manager. The days, the days he wasn't starting pitcher on that night, I'd go run with him, you know, wherever city we in, we'd go out and run the, the stadium or we'd run the streets. So Teddy and I had a good relationship, you know, and that was his year. I think it was his free agent year, so he had a lot of pressure on him. And, of course, you know the story, a big lead. He's coughing it up. My impression was he was he was screwing around, you know, throwing sidearm, right? It's like, Ooh, okay, this ain't going to work. We ended up coughing up the game or whatever. So I went out to take him out. And he's not going to give me the ball. I'm there. Okay. And now it's like, you know, now, I, you know, and the rest of the team there, I'm going, you know, and the first thought is, okay, what do I do now? You know, the guy ain't going to give me a ball. You know, this ain't, this ain't going to work, man. <laughs> so anyway, finally gives me the ball. He kind of jabs it in me. You know, ah, now, now I got the ass, you know, and I, this, this ain't going to work. So, so bring in the new pitcher, I give him the ball. And I'm walking off the field there and in Toronto in the home dugout, you know, in the end of the dugout, you get the stairs to go down and go upstairs. So I just, my, I mean, I would sit at the opposite end. And so I looked down there, I could see him like walking around there, you know, underneath. So I, I instinctually, I just walked, started walking that way. And I got down there. I don't know who grabbed each other first, with me and me. but then we tussled a little bit. And then the rest of the team came down there. And, uh, uh, you know, and then, you know, we hashed it out afterwards. You know, it was, it was not a, it's not a proud moment of mine. Um, you know, and I can be. Uh, I guess. I guess sometimes I can be reactive. Uh, in, a, in, in, you know, I, I hadn't managed in the big leagues before, but but you know, I have my personality, right? You naturally you learn things after, you know. But you know, I'm not. I'm, nobody's going to stomp on me. I'll tell you that right now. You know, I'm, I got to make the decision for the team. That's it. They put me in that position, and I'll go down doing the best I can, and I'm going to be fair. But I'm, you know, in in. You know, you, you can't always just pick on the little guy. That's too easy to do. You know, you got your, your top dogs, man. You know, they need their ears spin back, too, every now and then, right? So anyway, so I went to, and we, we hashed it all out, but it was like, uh, here we go again. You know, Gibbons, the loose cannon, the mm. <laughs> anger problems. Maybe there was some truth to that. I don't know. But uh, t- then, Teddy, then, I, then after I got fired, I went out and coached with Kansas City, and our spring training was Arizona. They go out there, we're playing the Cubs, and Teddy's playing with the Cubs. Hadn't seen him since. And see each other, give each other a big old hug, you know, had a good conversation. So it was gone. You know, Teddy, it was just unfortunate, you know. Um, uh, but, you know, those, those are the kind of things that happen, like I said, when the team's not very good. Those didn't affect us, though, because in 2006, we actually finished second. I don't know. That, I guess mm-hmm. that was a late surprise. It's better than one wild card like that back then. Yeah, for sure. Never know, you know? <laughs> Now let's. You've already talked about your admiration for Jose Bautista. He is going up in August to the level of excellence at Rogers Center. Six-time All Star. You've already told us a little about how much, how highly you think of him. But any, uh, are you are you going to be up in August to see that? I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. I'd love to see. You know, well, well deserved. You know, he's he's definitely one of the all-time Blue Jays greats. And you know, Toronto. If you look at their history, 
there's been a lot of great players come through here, you know. And a lot of them played there a while. Uh, and some, some uh, baseball Hall of Famers came, made some stops along the way, too. You know, that was one thing in 92 and 93, back in those days when they, they were, you know, really good every year. Also, they, you know, they made a point. They brought in the best players, man. Money wasn't an issue. They weren't about that. They played to win, right? And so, like, you know, guys, Dave Winfield, those guys, and they, 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 you know, they came through, right? So uh, there's a great history there. And Hosey's right up there with the, the all-time best Blue Jays history, which is a great hair storied history. So, uh, yeah, I hope I'm there. If not, but, you know, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check it out somehow. But well-deserved, you know. Jose's getting his due in August, but somebody else got his due September 26, 2018. It, this was John Gibbons Day in the city of Toronto, as proclaimed by our then mayor, John Tory. Did you get a key to the city? Yes, I did, man. How about, how about this, man? It, it, uh, and I tell the joke. It's kind of, I think it's kind of funny. I don't know if everybody thinks it's funny, but it's like uh, uh, it's like you go to a funeral because I'm leaving. It's like I died, right? I'm gone. I'm leaving. Oh no! You've been to a funeral, you know, and, and you hear a bad eulogy. Everybody goes up there and they give their eulogy and they're ripping the guy, right? Never happens, right? But the people in the in the audience are sitting back there going, "This guy was a real jerk," you know. But they're sitting there smiling. And uh, you, everything you're saying up there is wrong. Anyway, that's kind of that's kind of what's happened. You know, I'm dead and gone, and everybody's praising me now. But there's people out in the city going, "What a!" <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was it was a cool deal. You know, it was it was because uh, you know, Andrew, my first go around there, I don't think I was perceived. I, I wasn't perceived well, and I don't think people really understood me. And I I hadn't taken to the city yet either. You know, I didn't I didn't make a point to. You know, do that. And then the second go around, I was my, I was conscious of doing that. And then naturally, though, when you know, when team plays better, everything's better, right? And it's so the first round go around, I'd see people on the streets, you know, because and, and they know who I am because you know every night you're on TV, you got to interview and talk about the team, right? That's so you're on TV, so they knew who I was. We make eye contact, and then they like look away, you know. And then the second go around, you know, when things are good, you know, you, you walk in the street, people back and they smile, and then everybody comes up and. Gives you a hug or a handshake and takes a picture and all that stuff. So, that's the way it works. But I, but I did make a conscious effort that second go around to, you know, get to enjoy the city more and the country when, you know, and, and uh, yeah, it paid off. Well, what a great honor for you. If you're enjoying this Toronto Legends interview with John Gibbons, please check out the more than 100 additional episodes available anytime. We've got other notable Blue Jays from the field, the broadcast booth, and the executive suites, including Rob Butler, Mike Wilner, Bob Nicholson, Simon Bennett, and Nelson Millman. Go Jays Go! All episodes available 24-7, 365, wherever you get your podcasts. Now the band Rush was huge in your town of San Antonio. Getty Lee loves baseball. You must have some Getty Lee stories. Oh, Getty! I mean, he's a big baseball fan. You're gonna get, you know. And, and the, yeah, when I was growing up in high school, Rush, Rush was one of the top, you know, people, people down here just loved him, right? And of course, they'd always come through and play the tours, and and, uh, um, and so when I got rehired the second time, uh, after I'd been uh, hired, Rush was coming through town to play here in San Antonio, right? So I. I was able to line up some tickets, uh, my wife and a couple of my kids, and we went out. Then, then afterwards, we got to go backstage, right? And so, uh, you know, well, we met we met uh, uh, Getty and Alex in the uh, meet and greet out in front, right? I had never met him before. And then afterwards, we went back. All Getty wanted to do was talk about baseball, man. 
<laughs> he talked about analytics. I mean, this dude, he, hey, I mean, he, I mean, he's got it figured out, right? And then, of course, and he always sat behind on plate in a lot of games. And he came out and filmed uh, one of their documentaries out there. He was around the batting cage. Wonderful guy, you know. And then, then he gave me, man, probably my most chest thing. He gave me a ball that was signed by all three of them for their Hall of Fame wow. induction, you know. I thought, God, are you kidding me? This is better than to have this in the Bay Brew, man. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, he, appar- he apparently still scores the games with the old school scorebook. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, that does surprise You know, he's, uh, he's a wonderful guy, you know. I mean, you talk about talent. And he's, you talk about a, a, a career, you know, and, and uh, they're worldwide, man. They're, but they're, but they're, you know what? They're just good guys, too, you know. You uh, recently had a reunion with another legendary Blue Jays manager, Cito Gaston. Gibby, when you get together with Cito, what do you guys talk about? Yeah, you know, yeah, we were both doing a card show in New York, you know, a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, Cito's from San Antonio, too. He grew up here. You know, but I think, I think he, you know, he was born here. Uh, so we have that connection. But, you know, Cito's another one. He's just one of the good guys, you know, uh, and tremendous career as a player. And then you, you go, how many guys – you know, most of us are just trying like heck to win one World Series, right? He won two back to back. How many have ever done that? You know, he, no way he gets the credit he deserves. There's just no way, right? And I don't, I don't get it. But uh, so we were just sitting around. You know, we had a little break at that card show. We were just telling old stories, you know. And, and uh, of course, he was there when you know Batista and them really came into his own, you know, because Cito's also a tremendous hitting coach. And so he he did, did some things with the, you know Jose that really helped get him going. Um, and so we, we talked about some old guys that he had and, uh, you know, of course he, he replaced me, but you know, so what, you know, you know, I didn't, I didn't see him when we were in Pittsburgh when I got fired and he was there, you know, uh, you know, that, that's just the way it goes. We both came back for a second go round, you know, isn't that yeah. it's like, what the heck? So anyway, but we, yeah, we just, we just talked shop, talked a little bit about San Antonio, talked about, uh, talked about some of the moves the team just, it just made recently this off season and, uh. It wasn't wasn't a, a real long because we both had to get back out there and sign some. Uh, I <laughs> yep. sign, he had to sign more than I did. <laughs> well, we'll see once your book's out. We'll see. Uh, Blue Jays made a huge announcement. They are ditching their home run jacket for this season. Uh, how do you feel about that? Oh, Andrew, I think that's the best move they made all spring. Yeah. Oh, all off season. Yeah, I think that's better. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say I'd do that. I would have done that if I had to choose between that and the uh, Chris Bassett side. I would have done that. <laughs> you are not a fan of the jacket. Oh no! You know I. You know I am. A, I'm 60 now, but I just. You know what? I'd watch it on TV, and I get it. I understand. It's not just the Blue Jays doing it. I mean, everybody's got their own little skit they do now when somebody hits a home run and all that. I, w- I just never liked it. You know, if you're down by 10 runs or something, you're still doing it. Just it just rubbed me the wrong way. You know, it just. Uh, and, and this is because now I'm a fan sitting here watching. I'm thinking, if I'm a fan of the stand and, a, you know, I'm watching the game and we're getting a, well, pounded, you know, and, and guys, you know, and it's, it's nothing against the guys. That's just the, you know, just the way the game is, you know. The, you know, they're, they're promoting the uh, Manfred, the uh, let the boys play. And, yeah, I get that. Okay. You know, uh, and, and younger generation loves it, obviously. But I, I think there's time, certain things, tone things down a little bit. And, uh, you know, I understand that, you know, the team decided to do it, which is, there's there's enough hard nosed old 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 school type players. I'm sure Grab got a hold of that. Well, the Blue Jays also made a ton of offseason changes, and I would be fired from my job if I didn't ask John Gibbons how he likes our 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. I love it, man. I love I love the you know the makeup of that team. You know, just like last year. I mean, a good 
you know, and then heck, even the year before, they won 90 games and didn't get in, you know. Uh, and playing in the toughest division in baseball, always has been, you know. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, they, they made some deals. You know, of course, they shipped Teoscar out and then uh, Guriel, and, but brought in some good players in return. You know, Stripling, they were able to replace him with Bassett, who's been, you know, a really good major league pitcher. And then, uh, you know, Kiermaier, who we watched, you know, forever, you know, even when I was there, you know, beating us with his, his, his speed and his defense and, and gets big hits every now and then. And now he's joining them, you know, I think. In the, and I think they can move Springer off to one of the corner spots, you know. Um, yeah, they. Uh, I'm glad they kept Danny Jansen. I, for some, I thought they would have traded J- Jansen because he was – he he. They never. They weren't the the guys that drafted him. You know, a lot of times teams will do that. You know, they'll, they'll stick with their own. So they traded Moreno, but Danny Danny. It was, I saw his record when he when he was catching. It's an incredible win loss record, right? And the games he wasn't behind the plate, they were below five hundred by a game or two. You know, mm-hmm. so that kind of sums all that up. Danny Danny broke in my last year there, so. Uh, yeah, they're, they're solid, man. Then you got Kirk back there. You know, you know all the way around that infield. And but I'm a big Bo Bichette guy, and and uh, you know he could be an MVP. You know, of course, Big Vladdy over there on the corner. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a natural. Yeah, they're good. They're good. And then then uh, Big Jordy Romano, man, out there. I think he's wearing a nose ring. Yeah. I hope when Schneider takes him out of the game, he does like <laughs> grab by the thing and just bleed him. Bleed him. <laughs> Well, let, let's. You know, I mean, in the, you know, they got a shot. I think. I think the best part is there's a more balanced schedule now in the league too, which is yeah, finally, you know. So yeah, I mean, they could, they, 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 they win a hundred games. They should win hundred games. Excellent. Well, you heard it here first. We certainly hope so. <laughs> let's Plus, talk about current. Small, but they should win them. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about current Blue Jays manager John Schneider. He may be in the running with you, Gibby, for the nicest guy. He recently used the Heimlich maneuver to save a woman who was choking in a restaurant uh, while they were at spring training. Uh, John's another ex-catcher. He is apparently superb at throwing batting practice. Oh, the best of all time! <laughs> yeah, you know, Schneider's Schne- Schne- one of the good guys, right? You know, when I was when I was managing there, you know, he li- he lived locally there in Dunedin area, and he would always come out early. You know, and, and players would always. You know, not all of them, but a bunch of them would come down to spring training really early, right? He would always go out throwing BP because he throws the best BP you'll ever see. And that's, I mean, that, and people think, well, is that a big deal? Yes, it is a big deal because it's hard to do, you know? So anyway, when minor league camp was about to start, you know, we, we'd always make sure that we kept him in big league camp because, you know, he was, he was a good baseball man and, he, and players loved his BP, right? And so he'd always hang around with us a little, a little, little longer. But, but you could always, you could tell he'd be successful, you know. And you could players gravitated to him. He's got that personality, you know. And then, uh, of course, things work. You know, he had Bo and then Vladdy and the. I tell you what, if you're if you're a coach trying to get to the big links, you got those two on your team and things go well, you're gonna be all right, man. You know? Yeah. You got those two on your team in the minor leagues and things go bad, you're done. You got no shot. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that right now. But they thrive, you know. And you can throw Bezio in there too, Bez. But uh, just one of the good guys. Then he got the job, you know, in, in the bench job. And, and uh, you know, I don't know everything that happened with Charlie. Um, but, he, you know, he took over. He's done a nice job, you know. He really has. And, uh, but, he, but, he, but he's a friend. I'm, he's one of those guys you root for, you know. But, yeah, and, they, and then he saved a woman's life. I'm thinking for crying out loud. Yeah. That's pretty doggone good. Yeah. I don't know, you know, I know what the Heimlich maneuver is. I don't know if I can pull that off. On the <laughs> yeah. You know? In the heat of the moment. Yeah. He certainly stood up. Uh, I want to ask you about a few guys just 
quick quick fire because I don't want to take up all. I'd talk to you all day if I could. Carlos Delgado. Oh gosh, you know he ran up there with the you know greatest Blue Jays of all time. He could might be the greatest Blue Jay. You know when you look at you know what he what he accumulated. You know Carlos is another guy or just a good guy, real gentleman, professional. You know, tremendous home run hitter, right? But he was a great hitter. You know, you get a lot of sluggers in the game. They just hit a lot of home runs. But they're not necessarily known as hitters anymore, right? Carlos could do it all. And I was the first base coach when the night he hit four against Tampa. Um, and, uh, you know, then, of course, then when he left, he went to the, went to the Mets. And, they, you know, he never really got his due in, in Toronto, I think, because, you know, you got to get to the postseason to get ex- exposed, you know. I mean, people, people know who you are. But you got to get on that you know, the big, big stage, right? And, you know, but one guy, one guy can't uh, take you there. You know, it's a perfect example, you know, like the, the WBC, right? The, the game ends, you got uh, Otani striking out Trout. And they, everybody, everybody says, the two greatest players in the world, right? But they're on the same team, and yeah. the team, you get to the postseason <laughs> with wild cards. So, so all, I, my point is, it takes more than just a couple of great superstars. You got, I mean, you got to have, you got to have a pretty good team, right? And so, uh, and, and Carlos was just stuck on teams that weren't good enough to get in. That's back when the Yankees and Red Sox, I, in my opinion, were really, really strong, you know? Yeah. They would, they would run away with it at the beginning of June, and, you know, we'd, we'd be looking, okay. But, um, yeah, just, just, a, uh, just a wonderful guy. The, uh, the late Roy Halladay. Oh, gosh, another great one, man. Totally different, you know, you know we talk about Carlos. Carlos was really outgoing, fun-loving, all that. Roy was an introvert, you know, kept to himself, but just a first class, very respectful, um, did everything right, that kind of guy, you know. And, and uh, he, he got, he got, you know, he got to the big leagues fast, had a lot of success early, and then he got knocked down, went all the way to. You guys all know the story. Reinvented himself, and uh, um, you know, it's, it's tragic, it's sad, you know, you know what happened. But I tell you what, there, there wasn't a better pitcher in the game. But more importantly, you know, I, I you guys, you know, of course it's professional baseball or whatever sport, you know, in the name of the game is being good at good baseball player and all. But I judge a lot of these guys on their character too and the kind of, you know, people they are. And and Doc was top notch, you know, but he, he might not, he might not say a word to you all day, you know, and uh, he definitely on the day he was pitching, if he crossed his path, he's definitely not saying a word to you. <laughs> you know? But you know what? You go out and take him out of the, out of the game. You know, that, that was, you'd always look forward to the night he, nights he was pitching and he usually he's going to give you seven, eight guaranteed innings, right? Which yeah. Winning nowadays, but he was a, he was very he was a tough guy. Even as good as he was, he was a tough guy to manage because those guys are because you got you still got to know when do you take them out, and when do you leave them in? You know, you know it's because you know it's going to be late in the game, and they're human beings. They tire not as not as easily as the other guys do. But in the, the so I'd come out of that mound some out of the dugout sometime to take him out and he would like look over and go, he catch his eye and you go, oh no. So he was one of those guys, you know, a lot of guys, uh, you come out of the dugout and you signal right away, give me that guy, you know. You know, and then but Roy, you wait, you may get in the, you get out to the mound, he might talk you out of it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> he might convince you otherwise. You put your arm up right away, he's getting a shot. So uh, but you know what? I don't care if it backfired or it didn't work. He never questioned it. He might come in after you know next couple of days and talk about some things or you know what were you thinking and why'd you take me out or whatever. But we we had one game and and uh, this is kind of I learned a lesson. We were we were playing in Fenway. This is when Miguel Batista was our our closer, right? And Miggy did a good pretty good job, you know. 
but he he hadn't pitched in a while for some we didn't you know we weren't very good we weren't have, or there wasn't any save situations so Roy's pitching a game in Fenway Park I think we got like a four four run lead and Roy goes eight innings right he could have gone down he could have finished it up I think but I think it was a four run lead so bring in Batista to get an inning to work because he needs an inning to work right okay mistake but I mean, anyways, they start chipping away. You know, the Red Sox could hammer back then, but you know they weren't they weren't sniffing Roy. And next thing you know, uh, hit walk home run or whatever. So the the game ends. I think the the tie the tying winning 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 runs were on base. I think. And I think the guy whoever it was line hit a rocket line drive right at Vernon Wells in center to end the game. So. <laughs> So so after the game, you know, we shake it. We we didn't win. I I walked by Roy in the in the uh, in the handshaking line. I said, "Listen, listen, kid, you kid." I said, "That'll never happen again, man. <laughs> I don't care who needs to work. You ain't coming out." And so that you know, I learned a lesson there too. You know, because and you know the the relievers like Batista. You know, when they haven't pitched in a while, too, they're always not as sharp in any way. But he was kind of balling. He wasn't like Mariano Rivera, you know, coming in for an inning. So, but, you know, you learn things along the way. But uh, so that, but my point is, people think, well, Roy, it should be easy to Roy, manage Roy Halliday or the great pitchers in the game. But it's it's not because it comes down to, what do you leave them in or take them out, you know? Yeah. And as you talked about from the beginning, sometimes balancing your heart versus your head. Oh, yeah. You got to do that. You know, they, they're, they're humans. You know, most of the great ones like him, they don't want to come out, you know. And yeah. There's times they have to, you know. They might they might pitch two or three uh, long outings in a row, seven, eight, nine innings, back to back to back, whatever. So so they, they tire. So that next outing, they may go out there and they just don't have it. You know, they're, they're fatigued. So you got to, you know, you got you got to take them out and rest them up and because they're not as good that night. That's just a fact, you know. And I got some names from the front office to ask you about. Double A, Alex Anthopoulos. Yeah, my man, you know, he... uh of course, he brought me back my second go round. He was he was J.P. Richardi's assistant my first go round. You know, just a good baseball man, uh, a good good person. He, uh, you know, Alex is very intelligent, but he's got great instincts too, right? And he's he's been able to balance. You know, the game's really uh, crazy with the analytics now, and uh, Alex is smart. He's, he's he balances it right because he, he he he's having the analytics, but he also understands. The, the people side of it, the competition side of it, all that, and, and uh, these guys aren't just strictly a number, right? And uh, you know, he cares about your family, all that good stuff, you know. Um, yeah, I hated to see him leave. You know, it, 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 it's it's worked out for him. Um, I know Canada hated to see him leave. My, I I guess my big my the I would find wonderful someday if he goes back. You know, mm -hmm. back and runs the Blue Jays again. You know, I think that would be a perfect ending to his career, and uh, the city would love it, the country would love it. And let me ask you about the two Pauls, Paul Beeston and Paul Godfrey. Okay, well, yeah, okay. Godfrey was the, the president when I was first there. Nice, nice guy. You know, he, he you know, I, I think all, in my time in Toronto, you know, all a manager can ask for is if people let you do your job, right? They're going to hold you accountable, which is which is a good thing, right? But they're going to let you do your job. And, and a big part of that, you know, there's two corporately owned teams in baseball, the Braves and the Blue Jays. Everybody else is privately owned, and so I think those teams, the, the owners probably meddle a little bit more, right? In the, the presence and all that. In Toronto, they let you do your job, but uh, yeah, he, he 
Godfrey was good for good to me, but you know we weren't we weren't very good, and, and uh, you know I I do think there's some things that he didn't care about, you know, because he was a politician, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know and I'm not uh, I'm not very polished to put. <laughs> So anyway, you know, and it's managing, especially nowadays, can be a a job that you know they uh, they like the politician type in there. You know, the guys look really good in front of the camera and say things politically correct. I've never been that guy, you know. So anyway, but Beeston, Beeston's one of my favorites of all time, man. You know, and Beeston is and always will be probably the number one Blue Jay, right? You know, from its inception, nobody cares about the Blue Jays more than this guy, and and. it's a shame the way it ended for him there, but you know he was there for the the, the building of it and and uh, all the success. And then then he of course he went to work in in major in the commissioner's office. I believe I think he I think he hired Manford in baseball. Is how Manford got in there, right? And so then Paul comes came back and naturally you know I, I knew him I didn't I didn't know him real well before that, but he he signed off on bringing me back the second go round. He took a chance, you know, but but it goes back to what I said a minute ago that. He trusted people. Uh, he hired Alex to do a job, and he'll hold him accountable. But he's not going to be looking over his shoulder for everything. What, what could you know? Nobody wants those conditions, right? So he hired Alex. Alex wanted me. He signed off on it, and he would have held us both accountable, right? And uh, but it, w- once he once he uh, was finished, he still kept keeps a great office up there. I think he might have the best office in the state. Still, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Get him out of there. But he my last year there, and it was probably. I look, I look back on my last year in 18 there, with the, one of the funnest moments about it. So many nights. You know, the game starts at 7.05, I think it was. At 6.30, you could hear the, because the, my, my the office was near the, the front entrance to the clubhouse, right? You can always hear that door open, and you hear these footsteps, right? And here comes Beeston, right? He come, he come down to my office, uh, you know, at, for a homestand, he played two or three times at least, right? At six thirty, it was all like, it was like clockwork, man. Very disciplined. <laughs> and then we sit there and talk baseball and talk about he give me some stock tips or whatever, right? <laughs> Tell me one time hey, you got to buy Amazon. This was years ago when Amazon man it exploded, you know. And then, uh, but then the problem was that I got divorced and I had to sell it all. <laughs> <laughs> right? so anyway, but it, 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 it Beast's thing, the funny thing too, his big one of his big, big pet peeves was he wanted he wanted his team out there for the national anthems, right? Hmm. And, I mean, that was that was a big thing for him. So so then when he was done there, when he come down to my office, heck, I never made it out on time to a national anthem. Yeah. He was in my dang office. I said, "What happened, man? You like you lose your patriotism or what?" But I would love it. We just talk about it. We we still talk, you know. But he he will always be the number one Blue Jay, ever, you know, number in fan. Nobody, nobody wants to see that team do better than this guy. I agreed. Agreed. John, you've been so great with your time. Let's close with the million-dollar question. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask, does John Gibbons want to get back into a major league dugout? Andrew, I, I would love to. You know, I, and I, I've been saying that you know, a long time. And I'm, I'm sure Cito would have too, right? Um, and I've, and I've, I did a couple interviews. I interviewed with Houston after their cheating scandal. And then two weeks after that interview, I, and I thought I had a good shot there. Dust, Dusty's done a tremendous job. And I went up to Boston, you know, I thought, you know, because they were under investigation too. You know, that the door, I think, is real. There might be a slight, a little bit of light coming through that crack in the door. Maybe not. But, yeah, I, w- I would love one more shot at it, because you know, because I, I think I'm, I'm good at it. Uh, but if it never happens, you know what, I, I've had it good. You know, I've got, people have given me opportunities that's, 
uh, other baseball guys out there, they're so much better than me, never got, you know. So I've got zero complaints, and I, I've been blessed, man. And, and, the, and I've met so many wonderful people that have looked after me, you know. And so if it never happens again, hey, I've been, I've, I've been fortunate, you know. If it does, be a dream come true. Well, and you got lots to keep you busy right now being an author, and everyone can hear all the great stories from John Gibbons. Everyone can go out and get Gibby, Tales of a Baseball Lifer, published by ECW Press, available very soon wherever you like to buy your books. John, where can we best follow you? Because as you've learned, half the battle is writing the book. The other half is letting people know about the book. You are now on the Twitterverse. Yes, yeah. Get me with that. You know, when they first told me when we came out of the book, they said, wait, they asked, are you on uh, social media? I said, no, I was on uh, Facebook years ago. And I, yeah, you know, I got old. And they said, we, we need to get on. And, and uh, I said, you got to be kidding me, man. I'm 60 or whatever, right? almost 60. So I, I got on it out of necessity. And I've actually had fun with it. But you know what I found out, Andrew? The stupider stuff you put out there, the more they love it. <laughs> it's like, and I've actually enjoyed it. You know what? I've met some you know people on there and, and, and Touch base with some old friends and things like that. So we're on all the the, the sites, you know, because we got that podcast and everything too. And, and the, so, but I, you know, that get uh, I'm not on it as, as, as probably as much as they'd like me to. That you know, the guys kind of you know running the show and stuff. But it, it's been fun, you know. But uh, like I'm, I'm serious, man. It's like the stupider the better. <laughs> Well, it, it lets you expose the, uh, the the character that you are at some time. And as you mentioned, we should point out, you got a great podcast, The Gibby Show, which has returned for another season. Every week you'll be breaking down baseball. So obviously you're staying close to the game. I want to thank you so much for your time today. I wish you great success. I really enjoyed reading your book. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back up in Toronto again soon. Andrew, thank you. Hey, you're a real pro, man. I, I, I've enjoyed this, and uh, it's always good to, to look back. But, you know, when you, when you can, when you can uh, share it with some good people like yourself, man, it makes it that much better. Well, those are very kind words, and it's been my pleasure. To the listeners, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast. And on behalf of John Gibbons, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo. Hey listeners, I'm Christy and I'm Melissa and this is Buried Motives where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back and that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. 
4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.